Jane with Jess Bourne for Babes Behind the Beats. And today on the show, we have Mariam, who is a singer, songwriter, designer, all round extraordinaire artist. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi, everybody. Thank you for having me. You've had an incredible journey, um, which is super interesting because you're originally from Africa, lived in New York, and then you've moved to LA and got a publishing deal really quick, which is crazy stuff. Um, I'd love to hear about your life in Africa musically, what was going on there, and did you do music in New York and how that transition was? Yes. So I was born in Mauritania. And then when I was born, um, my my mom is Senegalese and my dad is Senegalese Mauritanian. So we lived in Mauritania. I was born in Mauritania. And um, when I was six months old, uh, there was a war between Senegal and Mauritania. So we had to leave everything behind. So at six months old, I was like, you know, taken out of war-torn country. And then I came to America when I was seven seven years old. Um, I lived in the Bronx. I, I speak no English. Um, and I grew up in a religious household in, in Africa. So music wasn't really a thing for us. Uh, so when I came here, it was kind of a culture shock. And I mean, I, it was a huge culture shock. It was like, I mean, it's completely different. Yeah. So, and then I would hear so much music all the time and I just loved it so much. And I guess that's how I learned English through listening to music. And it really had an impact on me. And I was like, that's what I'm going to do. I always wanted to be a lot of things, but music stuck. Yeah. And when did you know you could sing? Cause you have an amazing voice. So it's, it's unusual that you didn't start young, but I think a lot of people think, oh, I didn't start when I was a child, so I can't do it. But there's heaps of people who didn't start as a child. Well, I, I was singing all the time when I was uh, younger. I, I remember uh, like when I was like eight years old, I would be singing and like um, just on my own. I, I wasn't allowed to um, join choirs or anything and like be a singer. Like it was discouraged actually to be a singer within my house. So it was um, it was very hard to get out of that. Um, that's why I started later, my professional career later, um, just because, yeah, it was a hot mess. But <laughs> I always knew I could sing because my sisters and I would have little girl groups where we would pretend to be Destiny's Child and stuff. Yeah, I was the singer of the group. Because I would act like a diva when they asked me to sing. And I'd be like, no, I'm not singing. I'm going to sleep. And we would get into <laughs> fights. So I guess I knew then that I knew how to sing. Yeah. And so what was the point when you started, like, turning it into a career, I guess? Like, what was the journey with that? Did you go to university for music or? Yeah, I went to university. It was not for music. Because still, when I went to college, music, I didn't know that I could do music. Because it was so disapproved of by my parents and within the culture in general. Like, if you're not a lawyer, doctor, or um, engineer in that order, you're like not doing anything with your life. <laughs> so <laughs> apparently to the, to the parents at least. And so um, <laughs> so I went to college for communications. I went for finance first because I was really good at math. I was like, no, just, I don't like this. And then I went for communication and uh, did journalism. Well, um, And then I went to London my last semester and I really loved the music scene there. And um, that really inspired me. I went to the... Um, to Liverpool, to the Beatles house. That was cute. About humble beginnings. Cause you know, you you see all these people and their stars, you see them at the height, but you don't like, yeah. see them where they came from. And like to hear the story of where they came from. Like he was writing this song, one of the biggest songs in his, in his room. I was like, oh, I could do it too. Yeah. So that was a good experience, things like that. And then um, I went to live in Italy after college for a year, about a year. And I was used to do open mics there and stuff. And everybody would tell me, oh, you have to, you have to, be a singer and I was like yeah but my still parent my parents still disapprove of it this and this and that so it was just a hard situation to be in because it was a very religious household and like um 
uh, I felt like I was gonna. I was told that I would go to hell if I sang, and it was just like, oh, no, it's deep, deep trauma. I tell you, crazy. Wow. So at some point, you've broken out of the mold and gone. I'm yeah. still gonna do it. I guess. Yeah. When I when I left Italy, I went I went back to New York, and I was just trying to find my place in life. I worked in a bunch of restaurants. Blah blah blah. I, for some reason, I always knew. I was going to be a singer. Like, I don't know what, how it was going to happen, but I always knew this is what I was going to be doing for the rest of my life. And um, at some point, I just, I felt like I just had to stop getting in my own way. And when I say that, it's like um, trying to get approval of my parents all the time or like letting all those things affect me because now they've come around. It was, it was very, very, very difficult. But I, I once I realized that I had to change and like, I'm only going to be mad at myself if I don't pursue this. And if I blamed anybody else for me not doing what I know I should be doing, then that'll be my fault. So I went to the Peruvian jungle for like a couple of weeks and I did ayahuasca ceremonies, meditation and stuff. And that really changed my life. Really? So what did you do after that? So after I did all of that, I, I just... I felt free, you know, and I felt like I owed it to myself to pursue my dreams. And so I just took the steps to to start um, pursuing my dreams actively, like actively start pursuing my dreams and just not let wait um, wait for things to um, come to me. So I moved out to LA in 2017. Oh, so you moved to LA after pretty much very close after that. You're like, this is my move. I'm going to concentrate on music. Because the, the whole ayahuasca experience happened in uh, 2016 and I moved to LA um, 2017. Wow. So you really hadn't pursued the music much before that. You moved to LA. Were you writing songs at that point or you started writing in LA? Yeah, I started, I wrote some songs before then. Um, and I was just recording with my friend um, in, in the apartment and they had like a makeshift uh, um, recording thing. And I still have some of those recordings and I was like, oh, I like this. This is very interesting. I was listening to it the other day. And I'm like, I actually knew what I was doing. Okay. But, but then when I moved to LA, I wrote the first song that would be released. Um, two days after I moved to LA and then a week after I got a publishing deal with Universal, which was crazy. Like how? I mean, that's insane. Everyone's trying to get them. Yeah. Like how did, did you run into someone or how did, did you know someone? Um, yeah. I mean, I developed some contacts in New, in New York who helped me get um, a manager when I got when I got there. And oh. the manager had some connections um, and sent the song to someone, to, to somebody um, from Universal who works at Universal. And they sent it to Jody Gershon, who's the, uh, the CEO of um, publishing. And they were like, can I sign her? And they said, yes, in capital letters. And like, <laughs> and where was it go? At the time, I was staying in hostels, too. When I first got to L.A., I came to L.A. with like $500 in my pocket. Yeah, it, it happened organically. And one of the things that I, visions that I had when I was in uh, the ayahuasca ceremonies in the Amazon jungle was that I have to build it and they will come. And I have to be authentic in everything that I'm doing. And that's the only way through. And so I took that with me. And um, if it's good quality, it'll happen. Absolutely. You hadn't really had a huge amount of experience songwriting. How did you write the song? Did you just go, I'm going to model it off how other songs are written? Or did you just literally naturally write? Um, I worked with somebody who was a very good songwriter and a good producer also. And um, I was lucky within, with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I knew how to write songs before because I was writing a lot of songs. I never actually recorded them, but I knew the structure of songs and I knew a lot about music in general. Even though I never went to music school, I didn't have training. I had like a couple of um, vocal lessons here and there, but that was about it. Yeah, so you sign a publishing deal and then what was happens after that? So you sign it and then 
Oh, life's easy? Not necessarily. <laughs> uh, no, it's been, a, <laughs> it's been so hard. But it's actually okay, though, because, I mean, it was just the start. And I feel like what people don't tell you when you um, when you want to pursue something like this is that, okay, well, let me re rephrase it. So when you pursue something like this, they always tell you, oh, you should get a record deal. You know, everybody's pursuing a record deal. But record deals are not necessarily the best thing for you. Luckily, uh -huh. I got good advice and I work with record labels to distribute and not, and I own my masters. Cause I listened to Prince before I came, entered the business and I was like, okay, it's going to be a hot mess. Let me make sure I own my masters. <laughs> <laughs> Let me make sure I own all this stuff. I mean, all the artists have been telling us, Michael Jackson, Prince, everybody has been saying own your masters. And yeah. You're like, I'm listening. Yeah. yeah, I listen. So, <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I, I think a publishing deal is the way to go because at least you can pitch your songs through someone who's got the contacts and knows about the opportunities. Whereas just being signed to a label isn't, it might give you those opportunities, but it might not. And the publishing deal, what they do is like they, they sync they sync the music, they find um, places to um, sync the music, and plus they put you with um, producers. Great. Yeah, isn't that great? And a writer. So, is what I love about the um, publishing is that like it's a creative process of the business. So did they, they have you write in writing rooms with people fairly yeah. quickly? And so then, I mean, how exciting for you. Gosh. Yeah. Talk about <laughs> landing on your feet. <laughs> I know. I was like, I'm going to make this work. And it, it worked out. I mean, I, I don't know if it's luck or it was just like a lot of preparation meets a lot of, or just powerful manifestations. I feel like I'm a powerful manifester. And so I just like, yeah. I, I now I just think about what I want to do, aim, aim and shoot. And it's happened. So. Yeah. And so then did you get, start getting some songs placed? I saw you had LinkedIn. You wrote the song for the website there, which is pretty big. Yeah. And, uh, no, I, I, I covered a Cat Stevens song. Oh, right. Is that oh, fantastic? Yeah. But it, it appeared on, um, I think, was it a Super Bowl and, and Golden Globes? And like, it got a lot of good placements. Um, wow. The commercial itself. For your own music, how did you move into, like, you're obviously writing for other artists or pitching songs, but you're also working on your own stuff? No, no, I just write for myself. Oh, you were just I could, I could write for other artists, but I mostly, yeah, I write for myself. And um, so like uh, within the first year of signing with Universal um, Publishing, I released my first EP in 2018 and that was a three song EP. And then um, shortly after, like a month after I got uh, my first sync from a song that wasn't out yet. And it was on um, Amy Schumer's I Feel Pretty. Which oh was, my gosh. Um, yeah, which was like the um, the lead one of the lead songs for it. Wow. And, uh, yeah. So when that got onto the show, did you find that helped push your profile up a bit? Were people like, who who sung that song? Yeah, um, sings are really good because people discover you. They shazam. Yeah, it, it definitely helps build your profile. And plus, when I, as soon as I released my first EP ever maybe like weeks after Kourtney Kardashian put it all over her social media. So that helped um, give a push. You're to, joking. Yeah. So it all happened very organically, which I like that way to happen. Like, you know, is it people to discover things and like connect with it and do and activate themselves. So, so then COVID hit, did you spend time writing during that period or did you have yeah. gigs lined up and that were canceled? No, <laughs> I was not popping them. Okay. Was, perfect. <laughs> it was still beginnings of stuff, just working on stuff. But, um, during that time I had a, um, Apple TV commercial actually 
which was oh. really cool from one of my own songs. And then I had many syncs um, after that too, like uh, in Grey's Anatomy and stuff. But um, uh, during COVID, what I was doing was writing a lot of songs. I worked with one of my friends, Spencer. Um, he moved to Santa Monica. He's an amazing DJ, huge DJ. He was discovered by Avicii. Um, oh, wow. So we wrote a couple of songs. We came out with it uh, not too long ago. And um, what I was doing was, I actually started to um, gain a lot of traction during the pandemic because I did an acoustic version of one of my songs because I, I watched some marketing videos and I was like, you know, I have to take my career into my own hands because nobody's going to do it for me. Yeah. And um, sometimes people don't understand what you're about. So like I did an acoustic version of one of my songs and I watched like a bunch of marketing videos on how to market it. And they were like, you know, be very precise. So what I did was I took one of the video, th that video, and I took it, um, I advertised it in Brazil and because I thought aesthetically they would love it and uh, the sound oh, and stuff too. And it went viral in Brazil during wow. the pandemic. And so all the Brazilian celebrities started following me, right? And then like accounts with like 20 million followers and stuff were like following me, like big actors and stuff. And then uh, they gave me their accounts. <laughs> they reached out to me and gave me their accounts to spread my message. So I was doing like live streams on these accounts, on these celebrity accounts and stuff. And um, yeah. it's been going well. That's incredible. So how did you market it to Brazil then? Was that through like Instagram ads, Facebook yeah, ads? Instagram ads, ads yeah. yeah, taking it into your own hands. I love that. So then after COVID, uh, what was the next step for you? You're like, okay, the world's opening up. Here we go. So after COVID, um, I, I just, I decided I, I was getting lost in um, the algorithms, I would say, or I, I was getting lost in like the number game, you know, like seeing how many numbers you have on Spotify, all this stuff. And I was like, oh, this shit is exhausting. Like, how are you ever going to ca play, play, catch up to somebody who has like... 30 million monthly listeners and stuff. And I'm like, I'm not even paying attention to that anymore. I don't care. I'm just going to make quality music. And I'm going to make things that I like and I'm going to have a strategy. So my strategy was um, to collaborate with different people that I like. And that helps you tap into their audience. That helps you get um, just your music heard by different audiences. But I chose I chose people that I know uh, my messages aligns with. So the audience is already there. So yeah, um, yeah so and it's been working. When you say collaborate, have you co-written with these people? Is that what's happening? Yeah, co-writing song, yeah. Then how do you, what's the next step when you've written the song with them? What do, What's the next step for you? I wait for them to release it. Mostly they'll, they'll release it, which is good because their team does the marketing and stuff. I do my own thing too, but like I tap into the, the marketing and um, the situation of different people. Yeah, we just do the collaborations. Like I did a collaboration with my friend Trevor Hall this year and um, we ended up, he, he had two shows at Red Rock Amphitheater, which is a huge, amazing venue and nice. it's like 10,000 people and for two nights we sang that song to 10,000 people nice. yeah so that's that's like something I would not have gotten on my own so collaborations are very important and I just collaborated with this Japanese band Sekai no Arari who are one of the biggest bands in um, in, in Japan um, their American name is End of the World but uh, they just invited me to sing with them too and like now my music is popping all over Japan so wow so then you, you need to get over there then and be performing as well oh, I'm dying to go so what have you got planned and then for America and your releases, are you going to be releasing song by song or album or EP and then tour like most bands do? Interestingly enough, during 2020, also what I did was at the beginning, I was like, okay, everything is shutting down. I'm not going to be able to work. So I got myself 3D scanned. So I got like, I did a music video with my avatar and my I put my avatar to work. I was like, okay, my avatar could be anywhere. I can't. So You're joking. 
So, I mean, I'm trying to do stuff in the metaverse too. Great. How do you even get that? Like, how do you even know to do that? I wouldn't even know to do that. Yeah, the, there's a, my friend Vincent <laughs> from Human Engine. He like, whenever he gets um, a very expensive equipment from other stuff too, from other, other works, he puts me in like a suit, a motion capture suit. And I'm like, I don't have to pay for anything. Something that will cost like $40,000, but he loves oh. working with me. And like, I know. And I was like, I'm just very lucky. I don't even know what to say. Honestly, I'm just very grateful. Yeah. And then like, um, I haven't actually had a first album yet. I plan on releasing my first album in the beginning of next year. So what I, I last year I released the um, EP called Songs for the Revolution. And um, I plan on doing that as a consistent theme throughout my career, but like different volumes. Like last year, it was about, you know, the issues, human issues like um, uh, Black Lives Matter, women issues, and just like issues that we're facing that needs to be at the center of all revolutions kind of. Um, and then this year I'm gonna do Songs for the Revolution, Age of Consciousness um, edition. Cool. Just, you know, delving into more, um, going in. It's time yeah. to go in. I'm working on that project. And then I have like a single of my own coming out next month. So um, I have an EP, no, um, I have a song coming out called Easy. And what I like to say is like, the things that I want to put out are just doses of medicine. Because at this time, we need love. We need a, so much of it. And we need to shift our consciousness because it's crazy out there. Uh, with your single coming out, how are you releasing that? Because you're not signed to a label, right? So you're just going to distribute it through an online distributor and then mm-hmm. push it out with your own sort of market. And are you doing a video? Yep, I shot the video already. Cool. All mm-hmm. right. I mean, that's the great thing. These days we can kind of do it all ourselves. And you should. Don't wait for anybody to do anything for you because not only do you know yourself more than anyone you understand your audience more than anyone you know what you want to do like don't wait for anybody to do it for you because you'll be waiting forever (laughs) yeah and what about gigs for you um performances how do you get booked for them so luckily i've been getting a lot of incoming stuff i just finished um a tour that i got on with my friend alok who is one of the biggest non-binary um you know like a gender non-conforming poets and artists of our time. I don't know if you know Alok. So I just did that with them and um, I did Atlanta with them. I did Denver uh, on Sunday. We did two shows there and we did one in San Francisco at the Palace of Fine Arts, which is like a thousand people. So I've been getting invited to um, to different tours and like different activations here. I had my own residency at the um, at the, the Sun Rose Music Room, which is a really cool new venue in um, LA where the old House of Blues used to be. And I had the first oh. residency there. And wow. like Jeff Goldblum has a night there and Nicole Scherzinger did something there, but like- um, How did that yeah. come about? Was that just through someone? Manager. Oh, okay. So I was self-managed up until last year and I was like, okay, I need help. Like my song, Ask for Help, I needed to ask for help because I couldn't do it on my own. But I got to a place where I had enough leverage to get somebody who can help and stuff. I knew I had to start building it on my own um, before. And plus I had help from my uh, publisher too um, who signed me. So that's true. Yeah. Well, you are the true definition of someone who's an independent artist coming up in all sorts of different ways, which I find fascinating. So good on you. Congratulations there. Do you want to tell everyone your uh, your Instagram website, all that, so they can follow you? Yeah. Well, um, I have an Instagram, which is Mariam Music, M-A-R-I-E-M-E Music. But also I have my own app where you can subscribe to and get exclusive content. Um, uh, and I go live on there with my fans, there's a community fan page where my fans can interact with each other. You can listen to my music and you get unreleased uh, music before anybody does. 
um, yeah, I have my own app. Well, that, that is incredible. <laughs> now, how do they find the app? Is that through? Um, on Google or on Android or um, um, the iPhone. And um, type in Merriam, Merriam app, and it should be there. If you type wow. In so cool. Thank you so much for being on the show. I can't wait to see where all this goes and you're doing so amazing all on your own really i mean apart from manager and yeah i have i have have some people amazing people on my corner who are like you know who've been there for me and like um really been helpful yes amazing well thank you so much for being on the show and we'll speak to you again soon Thanks for listening to Babes Behind the Beats with Jess Bowen and Bowie Jane. Head over to our Instagram, Babes Behind the Beats, and our TikTok, and send us a message over there on who you'd like on the show next.